What's up, people? This is Mr. Marin here. This is the first episode of the Real Talk Podcast. Mr. Marin, my boy RB3 here. What's up, brother? How What's you good, doing? man? Good to, good, to, good to have you, man. Good to, not good to have you, but good to be on this podcast. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. This is going to be a normal thing we're going to try to do. Try to do it, you know, every week, every month. We'll figure out we'll figure out the, the, the formula to this. What we're trying to do with this is just have some real talk, real dialogue. So it's like two brothers. We might have guests on eventually, you know, mm-hmm. with, with time. Right. But we're just going to have real chat about film and uh, give it from a different perspective because I feel like our voice is often missing in, in film dialogue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So whether it be, you know, black film or, or just mainstream anything, you know what I'm saying? We're going to always give our take. Art is open to interpretation and criticism. So, you know, you kind of need different voices at all times to kind of get into the nitty gritty of things, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So this episode, you know, it's Black History Month. Yep. I figure why not kick off the show with the ranking of the greatest black films of all time. Yeah. I put out a poll out there. I, I know you put it out there too. Mm-hmm. I collected a lot of data. It's a, It was some interesting choices. You know, somebody said Norbit. <laughs> Norbit. I, I, yeah, really? yeah. Norbit made it in there. I, I I don't know. It didn't make it far. I say that much. It was only one person that said Norbit. Everybody collected but I collected some data, and it was pretty, pretty interesting. Um, it might be films that you would expect to be on that list, but the ranking of it is what threw me off. I was just like, oh, okay, this might be a little different. So I'm just going to throw some films out there, you know, discuss the ranking, discuss the film briefly, and then at the end, we'll try to figure out, was is, was it ranked properly? Do you mm-hmm. think it should be lower or higher? You know what I'm saying? And these are all from Instagram. All from Instagram. Okay. Instagram, and I did reach out to people on the side, too, okay. because I'm right. just like, look, like, it, I had a lot on Instagram, but it was like, I know too many people, I got a lot of, I got a lot, so mm-hmm. I sat there, I broke it down, uh, hold on, where's my phone, here we go. Before I start off with five, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring up the ones that didn't make it, you know what I'm okay. saying? We just see what we, what we think of. And we're going to put out our own, like, top five, right? Of course. We got to talk about our own. Absolutely, right absolutely. Here. So, the honorable mentions, mm. you know. There's New Jack City. Mm. Need, I, need I say more about that? Wesley Snipes, Alan Pay- uh, Star Study Cast, you already know about that. Uh, Straight out of Compton, made it. Some Lori Roll right there. Oh, it's right fitting because we are live in Compton, Compton. right now. This is very <laughs> fitting. Compton, California, baby. Yo, so, you know, we got that. Uh, Hollywood Shuffle. Mm. Uh, there was some. Fun. Moon Knight. Um, excuse me, Moon Knight. Moonlight. Moonlight. Oh, really? Really? If Bill. Uh, Bill Street could talk. Yes, if Bill Barry Jenkins. I need to see that one. I didn't see that one yet. That's, that was my favorite film of that year. Really? Was, yeah, yeah. When it came out, I was too busy, so I didn't see. I didn't get to see that one. Uh, Life. Mm. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a time. That that's an all time yeah. Eddie Murphy film. Like I feel like whenever people talk about Eddie Murphy, they want to talk about the Beverly Hills Cops and Forty Eight Hours. Life always gets left out the shuffle. Mm-hmm. And you're talking Bernie Mac, you know what I'm saying? Miguel A. Nunez, who is a is a well-known black actor. He does a lot of stuff, and he's really good. He plays, uh, what's the, not Biscuit. What's the, what's the dude that was with Bernie Mac? Spoiler alert, he gets shot. Oh, man. I forget his name I anymore. I forget his name, yeah. He I was good in it. Weekend. He was good in it. Uh, Clockers. Oh, Spike. Spike came yeah. up a lot, which mm-hmm. goes without saying. He's the godfather of modern black cinema. Absolutely. So, of course, Spike is going to come up. Um, Death by Temptation. Have you ever seen that movie? I don't know if I've seen that movie, actually. Death by Temptation is a trauma film. You know, trauma is the distributor that makes all the B-movies, that video B-movies, horror movies, mm-hmm. the Toxic Avenger and all that stuff. 
they actually put out this film in 90, I believe it's 90. And it was uh, James Bond III who plays the, the geeky, nerdy dude in school days. He's mm, part yeah. of like Him, right. he's in that. He's, he stars, directed, wrote it, produced it. Sam Jackson is in it. Bill Nunn is in it. Uh, Freddie Jackson is in it. Really? Uh, Freddie Jackson cameo <laughs> is in it. Uh, it this was really good. It, it's it's if you didn't know any better, you would have thought it was a Spike film because there's so many of the, of the same faces from around that time. That's that Forty Acres camp. Those same actors, mm-hmm. they're in Death by Temptation. It's basically like a demon, a demon, uh, I guess a succubus, a woman that goes to these bars to kill these men, and then uh, James Bond the Third is like a Christian that comes that moves into Brooklyn and and fights her. It's, very good. Kadeem Hardison's in it. Sam Jackson is in it. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good wow, movie. You, it's, you put me on a... Yeah, we're going to do a deep dive on that eventually. Got to. Eventually. Uh, How to be a player. That mm. made the list somehow. I mean, that was, you know, <laughs> cool movie. You know what I'm saying? Too. Boomerang oh, is not in the it. top five. Yeah. That's one of, that's an important film for me. Mm. So let's get into it. Number five mm. on the greatest black films of all time is... The 1988 classic, Eddie Murphy, Coming to America. Right. Not Coming to the number two America, the sequel, which was okay. Yeah. Coming to America. What's your thoughts on Coming to America? Man, that's, uh, I mean, you know, I, I that's, that's another time with Eddie Murphy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of Eddie's filmography is, uh, you can't touch it, it's, it's, it's pretty locked in stone. And I think that one, you know, before there was like a Wakanda and before there was this idea of like this mythical black nation mm-hmm. that we, you know, come from, uh, that put that on screen and it kind of portrayed it in a way that was funny in a way that was, uh, you know, some might consider it insensitive, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? If you're like African, if you're like one of those cultures, they kind of like yeah. riffing off of, yeah. but, um, but I, for, for the most part, it's pretty inoffensive. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a story that's a romance comedy at the, at the end of the day. Yes. And I think it's, we don't have a lot of films that are just purely about black joy, black love, and mm-hmm. like about that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And I think they, it was kind of ahead of its time in that in that way of it was almost like weirdly not weirdly, but it was acknowledging blackness, but yes. like celebrating it too. Yes. Before it was like commonplace to do that in cinema. Yes, and the and the interesting thing about that film coming out when it did, this is two years after she's got to have it put black cinema on the the pulpit, you know. Mm. And this is Eddie Murphy who's hot fish grease hot Eddie Murphy. We talking. SNL. Yeah, SNL does after way after SNL, but this is like Beverly Hills Cop. Mm. Uh I mean Golden Child on a smaller level. 48 hours. 48 hours for yeah. sure. Like this is the, even after Beverly Hills Cop 2, which I think no, it didn't make more money than the original, but still he was he was Eddie Murphy and this is the first little inkling of Eddie Murphy going into all black cast type situation. What throws this one off and what makes it so much so different from the Boomerang, which was really like, you know, all black everything, black excellence. What throws this off is that John Landis is directing this one. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this is actually this film is famous for him and John Landis getting into a physical fight on set, and I think uh, really, yeah. Okay, I didn't know this. Yeah, you, they you got. Tell, tell me about this. Yeah, they got. It was it was something. That I, you know, they got into it on set, and. Mm. Um, I think uh, Eddie goes on Arsenio Hall's show maybe a year later and says, uh, not only says that he doesn't want to work with John Landis again, but then he's like, you know, ask Vic, 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 uh, what's the guy's name from Twilight Zone? Cause you know, you know, John. Yeah, he killed that. Uh, yeah, he was really? like, oh, Vic Morrow. He was like, ask Vic Morrow. Oh, Vic Morrow has a better chance of working with John Landis than I do. Uh, 
mind you, at that time, Big Morrow was dead. So it was like, <laughs> Eddie Eddie really went for the jugular on that one. You know what I'm saying? But, right. you know, going back to what you said about it being a romantic comedy, you know, yeah, this is the first time. I think this is the first time we really see that from Eddie. I think Eddie, up until that point, is the wisecracking, fast-talking. Yeah, cops. Yeah, that, yeah. you know, wisecracking, uh, wise fast-talking. And real asshole jerk, you know, you know, funny yeah. guy. But you know, this is the time we we see him fall in love. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Played by uh, uh, Sherry Headley, Sherry Sherry Headley, I believe mm-hmm. is her name. Uh, you know, Arsenio Hall is in it. Mm-hmm. Sam Jackson is in it. Mm-hmm. You know, this one is definitely yeah, this is definitely ahead of his time and very timeless. You know what I'm saying? This is one of those you could quote for days. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You could you could sing the uh, she's young. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. You could quote this one. For days, and this is a classic film. Uh, I I appreciate the fact that it is in the top five because this is one of those very important films, especially for our culture. Yeah, and it's I like the fact that we got some comedy representation. Absolutely, I don't know I don't know what other comedy films are going. To yeah, well, we we'll later, see, but, we'll see. Yeah. But I I will say this: central to a lot of black films is the most memorable ones are comedies because yeah. you know we, you know, it, we we deal with the subject matter of being black alone. It could, you know, lead to black trauma, quote unquote, mm. and a lot of things like that. And we often, historically, we've we've also we've always kind of gravitated towards comedy to kind of laugh at life a little bit, just to right. make things a little light. You know what I'm saying? So that's there. Eddie Murphy's Coming to America was number five. So for number four on this list, and this one is a shocker. Because I didn't expect it to be so low. It's still in the upper top five, but it's right. low. 1989's. Do the right thing? Do the right thing. Really? Yes. Wow, number four. Number four. This is considered Spike Lee's magnum opus. Can, mm. we, can we agree on that one? Yeah. Do the right thing. You know, if you don't know about Do the Right Thing, it takes place on one block in Bedford Stuyvesant, Brooklyn. Where things start off calm, you know, it's a hot day. Everybody got their own shit going on. People getting these shoes, you know, Jordan's getting stepped on, whatever, whatever. And the film escalates naturally, you know. I don't, you know, we all kind of know what happens, but you know, it's right. a big riot. You know, Sal's pizzeria burns down, and this all stems from bugging out one of black people on the wall. Mm-hmm. Now, I think this is Spike's best script. I don't think it's his best film. Mm. I think it is his best script because if you follow Spike stuff. His scripts tend to be a little heavy-handed. You know, they kind of lose lose its path, you know, by, yeah. by the time we get halfway to the film. Yeah. He's heavy on the subplot. So, yeah. you know, even with Jungle Fever, you know, you come in thinking it's a it's a film about interracial romance, and you get this whole, which is a, excellent, that could have been a film on itself, yeah. about Gator and, and the whole, you know, Gator being a crackhead and, and the crack yeah. epidemic. And uh, which, uh, which that alone was an answer to critics from Do the Right Thing that said that, this is unrealistic. Mm. There's no crack. Mm. It, white critics. Why would you? Yeah, like, white. And you see is, a black movie of you know, all black cast, and you got to think of the crack. This is this is why we are here, my brother. Yeah. This, is, <laughs> this is why we are here because we all know film criticism prior to the 21st century was very very white mm. controlled. You know that's what I'm saying? How it was? Yeah. That's how it was. Look, look at Boomerang. I, I, there's a there's a beautiful clip of Eddie Murphy on the Jay Leno show, kind of defending Boomerang because. There's white critics that said there was no white people in this movie. Mm. So it can't... This is a unreal... This is a fantasy. There's no... Like, they were really offended there was no white people in the movie. Wow. So, same thing. A lot of people complained that there was no crack in this film. 
which is crazy. I just think that's just... But, uh, it's just comical when you just say it out loud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It shit sounds ridiculous. Okay. But, you know, that's where we at with it. So, do the right thing. What, what do you? How do you feel about do the right thing? Do the right thing is uh, legit, you know, probably one of my favorite, if not, you know, top three favorite movies mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, it's comical how many times we had to watch it in film school. Yeah. You know what I mean? Probably like three or four different classes. Yeah. We had to like watch do the right thing. I wrote a paper on which I wrote a very lovely paper on mm. do the right thing. Uh which I'm sure a lot of, you know, black film school people and a lot of people who are general cinema lovers have mm-hmm. talked about do the right thing is often regarded, like you said, uh, famous Oscar snub. The fact that yes. it uh, only was nominated for best original screenplay, didn't get a best picture nomination. Yeah, best support. And uh, Danny Aiello got best support. Best supporting uh, nomination. But he lost to Denzel in glory. When you see yeah. that tear. I mean, that's. Yeah. Was, <laughs> it was over. It was over. But right. yet, Spike didn't get the best director or best picture. Yeah. Which happens later on again in his career. Spike is a very. He's an interesting figure in mm-hmm. film. I think that. You know, he's very underrated as a filmmaker. I think he gets his love as as a filmmaker, and for the strike. But at the same, in the same token, he's not awarded the love that the Spielbergs get. Absolutely, the George, you know, George Lucas. Who mm. let's be real about George Lucas, man? Like, okay, he gave us Star Wars, right? <laughs> American Graffiti and Star Wars, right? Two good ones. Those are good. That was it. They cool. That was it. He yeah. didn't give us the best Star Wars movie. I'm sorry, like, <laughs> and then he gave us the, the the prequels, which was you know, depending on what type, what what you looking for in a Star Wars film, it could be up or down, right? Um, yeah. So this one, man. It, I mean, you got you got Public Enemy, Fight mm. the Power. Yeah. Blasting all throughout. I saw this film. I saw Do the Right Thing. This was the summer of 2000. Mm. And I remember uh, I was at school and my friend Gilbert, he was like, yeah, I have this movie where this girl does this dance. And he was like, you know, doing the Rosie Perez dance. And and we thought that was so funny. I'm like, what movie is this? And he gave me the tape and it was Do the Right Thing, man. I remember it was that moment that I realized I loved film. Like... I knew Jungle Fever I seen prior and I knew I wanted to be an actor. Well, I said that then. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be an actor. But Do the Right Thing is the film that made me appreciate film and filmmaking because you have Ernest Dickerson cinematography, which... Gorgeous. I could watch that movie in the middle of a blizzard mm-hmm. and think Feel it's hot. hot. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's what I said. It was for cinematography. Okay. And it was about how they induced the this feeling of, of hotness and how they, uh, sometimes they would take the... Um, I forget what those little... Uh, Canisters are that mm. put the heat out underneath the oh I know you talking about. I know you're but talking sometimes about. they'll put those directly underneath the lens mm. to kind of make the asphalt seem like it's heating up, steaming up, mm. like camera effect. Other everything from the color, the fact that you know the the wall that we see Robin Harris and and all, yes. the, all the cast. The this a bright white wall, so mm-hmm. it kind of emulates that heat, that red hot feeling. Mm-hmm. So it's like all these like really clever tricks to like you said emulate the heat, the building of the tension and mm-hmm. also plays into the story of it, right? Yes. So it's like, it's a really beautiful piece of cinema overall. I think, you know, at the, even at the time, at, even, you know, I, um, I, don't, I don't know if you posted that clip or I saw that clip somewhere of um, Kim, the, the, the actress who, even at the Oscars during that, that Kim Basinger. But there is one film missing from this list that deserves to be on it because ironically, it might tell the biggest truth of all. And that's do the right thing. You know, and people were upset with her for that for, for even doing that. Yeah, they were just kind of like, you know, like what the hell, like you know, mm-hmm. that she just broke broke the script to do that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, she's absolutely right, and and I mean that, yeah. that's one of those films, man. It's just cinematography, like, writing, music. Per- I have a list of perfect films. Uh, one of these days, we're gonna break down that list, and that's definitely on it. I mean, beat for beat, the film. I I watched the film. I don't know how many times. Seen it in theater. You know, theater will elevate any experience. Oh, yeah. And I was glued to it as if it was the first time I was watching it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? The sc- and like I said, Spike's best script. In my opinion, not his best film. Definitely up there. But best script you got. And then, and then the genius do the right thing. The genius in the title. You're faced with a situation with Mookie. He just watched his friend being killed. He works for Sal, people that have been good to him, mm. and he's fa- mm. you know and, and you know mm. the the way it plays out, right? And and you know to this day, you know Spike to this day says that people come up to him and ask, "Why did you do that? Why did Mookie do?" That? Like people are really upset that Mookie even threw the trash can mm-hmm. into the pizzeria, mm-hmm. and then you then you get hit with them MLK and Malcolm X quotes, like it, it mm-hmm. everything about mm-hmm. that film was to create dialogue, mm-hmm. and it was. Perfect. Just, just a beautiful, beautiful film. One of the greatest film period of all time. Like, yes. forget just black film. Just very important, yes. important film. Indeed. And this is why it's being taught in schools all over the place. Yeah, as it should be. As, as it, it should, should be. be. Yeah, as it should be. Now, number three is a tie. And these Ooh. are these are. I tried to find ways to. Break. I even asked pe- more people to break this tie, mm. and it still got. Tied. It still ended up tied. Yeah. Two comedies. Okay. You have 1990's House Party. Okay. And 1995's Friday. Friday. Now uh, we are in Compton again. Mm-hmm. Now I wasn't in. I wasn't in the West. I'm. St- I'm a New York. I'm a New York dude. If you can't tell from the way I talk, I'm from New York. <laughs> How was Friday when it hit? Then it, hold on. You might be too young to even remember that. You're right. So yeah, I was gonna say I wasn't even. I wasn't born. I wasn't born when Friday came out. I came, uh, Friday came out in '95. I was '97. I went um, to go see that film. I remember my grandmother used to work at the Ziegfeld Theater in Manhattan. R.I.P. to the mm. Ziegfeld Theater, and either Casino or Braveheart was showing at the time. I remember I saw it at her theater that day. Then my mom came pick me up and we went to the Criterion Center on in Times Square. It's now a big ass gap. Mm. But that's where I saw Friday in theaters. Dr. Dre music video before the movie started. Really? Yes. Yeah. Oh, they, nice. Yeah, yeah, they played the video before the movie started and everything. So I have vivid memories of Friday. Instant classic. Yeah. I know I was like seven years old when I saw it, but mm-hmm. the way my mom was crying in that theater, crying laughing, that is mm. instant classic. Yeah. Have Ice Cube. I want to say DJ Pooh helped write the script. DJ too. Pooh also helped write, yeah. Per, another. I've, Another great script. Mm-hmm. Perfect, Perfect script. script. You yeah. get you get a scenario, a day in the life of Craig and Smokey mm-hmm. on one block, mm-hmm. a cast of characters, Chris Tucker, mm-hmm. Bernie Mac, mm-hmm. John Witherspoon, yeah. uh, 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 Nia Long, Nia, Nia Long. Yeah. Debo, Debo, played uh, by Tiny Lister. Yeah, uh, from, um, you stayed at my grandma's, uh, you used to be from my grandma's block. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my wow. Yeah, 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 man. I, if we missed anybody, let us know, but. Well, yeah, it's that cast. And I gotta say, like, you know, you talk about that West Coast thing, like, so I, I didn't see it, in, I was too young to see it in theaters, but mm-hmm. my mom's. She she barely sees any movies in theaters. But she went to but see But she that. went to see this. And she I, I'll tell you, like, we there if in terms of a movie I've probably seen the most, like mm. on 
on pure watch factor of like how many times I've rewatched it, mm-hmm. Friday is like easily the top. Oh yeah, easily. Oh, oh yeah, and, and 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 it's the top for me because there was a week, there was a period for probably like every other week my little sister on my dad's side would come over, okay. and me, my mom, and my sister would all watch uh friday like every other week like for mm. almost like a year like wow yeah it's not friday one and friday two friday just literally just the first friday like i mean that's so all you need to watch yeah 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 granted next friday friday the next they're cool but they're not and i say this they're entertaining mm. but they're not good films like friday is a good film great film yeah it's like great beginning yeah. to end another perfect script Mm. Uh, a per- another perfect film. There's another one on my perfect film list. Yeah. Which again, we're gonna t- we're gonna break this down one day. But I have a dope perfect film list, and I mean, Ice Cube wrote the hell out of this one, mm. and he has just one of the. He, not only is a great writer as far as a rapper, but like for him to put together this film the way he did, yeah. it's incredible. And uh, uh-huh. I also my bad. I also want to shout out F. Gary Gray too. You know, yes. what I mean? his directorial yes. debut. That was. And, and and that's uh, you know, that's. For a, for a director's first movie, mm. and we actually look at a lot of the shots too, like the shot where um, the shot when they're pulling out of the liquor store, and then uh, we hear the the car do the the exhaust pop. Yeah, 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 you, yeah, see, yeah. Um, you see AJ who uh, AJ went Johnson. to my mom's high school. Um, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like this, they got literally everybody from like Compton, mm. South Central. Like it's very, it's, you can still go to Craig's house. It's still there. Yeah, yeah. So in the in the block. So it's like. It's very, it's very, it's very, very true. But yeah, but you see, uh, the you know, homie, um, my neck and my back. Yeah, he's Yeah, he's <laughs> You know, you see him um, running off after he thinks it's like a gunshot. Mm-hmm. It's like all these like subtle details yes. when uh, when um, Chris when Chris Tucker Smokey he has he's on the angel dust. Yes. He, yeah, it's like it's just every which, single scene is very that scene in particular. I remember the movie theater. It was like y'all ever watch Def Comedy Jam and see how Negroes just rah, like they did. That scene when he got high on the angel dust, he was running down the block and it was like sped up. Mm. People were going crazy over that scene in theater when it was out. This is like, and like, th- there's just no experience better than the movie theater experience, man. Especially, nah. especially experiencing something in real time. You're not, you know, this is not a retrospective mm. screening where you know everybody knows where the jokes is coming. Everybody's laughing harder because they know the joke. Mm. This is day one. This is people seeing this movie for the first time and they mm. were losing it yeah. in that theater, especially with that scene. Mm. And like you, I'm glad you said that the little details in the film all throughout, the, the little things that if you look in the background, you see, it's just, this film is hilarious. It, mm. it is hilarious. You could watch it over and over again. And fun fact, this is Michael Jordan's favorite film. Really? Yes. I did not know that. This is Michael Jordan's wow. favorite film. I read that somewhere. I want to say Vibe Magazine or something. They they did a poll and yeah, this is his favorite film. Dang, okay. So yeah. that's that's good to know. Yeah, good to know. <laughs> that's crazy, yeah. Now another film another film filmed or shot out in the West Coast, but I wouldn't say it's a West Coast story. House Party. Yeah. House Party, nineteen nineties mm-hmm. House Party. I I we said this but I've said this before. This is one of the most important teen comedies, American teen comedies. I think this is right there. In the conversation with all the classic uh, films like Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, all of that. Like I know it's hip hop, I get it, but this is this is one of those ones, man. I think I think this is one of those ones. It's a very relatable story. Mm-hmm. Um, you're catching hip hop just as it's becoming mainstream, and I think that's the beautiful thing about that film is you're seeing it in re- like it's like lightning in a bottle. You're seeing it happen right before your eyes because we're coming off of you know, it's kind of hip hop is pop now. But it's kind of crazy to think that there was a point in time when people thought it was a fad. 
People did not see hip hop lasting more. Than... <laughs> yeah, people like Will Smith, you know what I mean, yeah. doing the parent rap and stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's like, ah, yeah, you can kind of see how. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> even Curtis blowing them, you know, the, ho, ho, ho. it's like, it's right. real corny shit. But right. now, you know, we're talking post 88, hip hop is really becoming a thing. Yo, Yo MTV Raps is on TV. Kid and Play got a cartoon after this movie. That goes to show you how right. how they were they were on top of the world. It's still on HBO point. Max too, I think. The movie? The I think the the cartoon. It's on HBO Max. I think. I mean, I thought. I think. Oh, I was on. Do I, not I, tell me that because I will. I'll binge watch it right now. I don't. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm <laughs> tripping. But I think while I was, I went back to watch House Party recently, and then you I think it. under the recommendation, it has some has some uh, cartoons. Shout on the out back. to HBO Max, man. Yeah. But I, I could be wrong on that. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Let me know if I'm wrong in the okay. comments. Or, okay. Or cool. Tweet, yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely, but. Nonetheless, shout out to HBO Max. They do have a good film library. I will say that. Yeah. But uh, House Party, we got Martin Lawrence. This is the first time we've seen Martin Lawrence and Tisha Campbell in a movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and, and that's crazy, too, because um, Martin is one of my favorite shows ever. And my favorite. Yeah. And and the fact that they have they have some scenes interacting. But the fact that just that little just that little energy, you know, you can kind of tell like both of them are kind of like the snap. Like, Kid and Play are obviously the stars. Right. But of the two side characters, mm-hmm. like, those two are, like, obviously the standouts. Like, yes. the scene when um, when when, uh, when Martin gets left uh, outside yeah, yeah, yeah. with all of his, uh, you know, they took the DJ stuff. And, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. To me, just the reaction when the homeboy pulls back in, he's just sitting there yeah. just so distraught. <laughs> it's hilarious. It kills me every yes, single time. Yes, yes, yes. It was like, your mom is a bit, is, is that, no, this is this is later. This is when he pulls up. It's like, Bilal's in the house. The girl's like, dragon breath. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, but shout out to Rob, Robin Harris steals this film. Mm. Every time Robin Harris is on screen, and I think we see this later with House Party 3. Same mm-hmm. thing with Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac does the same thing. They're not in the film, the entire film, but the times that they're on screen, it's like, it's like an ISO play in basketball. It's like, everybody move out the way. Like, let them let handle the rock. You know what I'm saying? When he walks into the party and he's just roasting everybody, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Cops will have no problem for you. Follow the drip, follow the drip. You know, A.J. Johnson is there with the Jerry Curl. Right. A.J. Johnson, he's an extra. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Ezel from Friday is an extra in House Party. Mm. Uh, and then we have the other AJ Johnson who that plays um, Tisha Campbell's friend, uh, Shireen. Mm-hmm. She looked great, man. That, that that movie, it I don't think it aged well. There's one scene that didn't age well, and I think I seen an interview where Kid even mentions it is when he gets arrested. Mm-hmm. His whole, oh yeah, with his the, whole the rap, yeah, yeah, his whole rap is like kind of you know homo you know homophobic. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh well, yeah. Man. You know that's the time. That, that was the times. I will say the the thing the thing that didn't age as well for me was the goofy cops. Like mm. like in, in general, like it, it, it it's funny because during this time period we definitely saw a lot of uh, bad cops yes. uh, on film. Obviously, like Boys in the Hood mm-hmm. was a perfect example, mm-hmm. um, and obviously a lot of uh, black movies were starting to demonstrate on screen you know the the struggle that we, we deal with in real life yeah. right but um this movie definitely put more of a comedic spin on it yeah and i definitely did it i thought it in the beginning it was kind of funny but uh-huh. like every time we kind of cut, cut back to it i thought hey, i kind of just wish we could yeah especially stay, stay especially when they get when they get full force and they're like oh we're gonna take care of them you know but you know they're about, they're about to go beat them yeah 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 what yeah, a year later yeah. is, is rodney king yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. so you know, but again, black folks, we got to laugh to keep crying. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Because yeah. we know that that's real. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, the, the soundtrack, everything about this film is beautiful. Um, a lot of OGs I've talked to, they're like, yo, when it came out, 
theaters were like overselling seats. People were sitting on the floor to watch this film. Really? Lining up against the wall in theaters to watch this that's film. A, man, that sounds fun because the, just the dancing in this movie oh. is like... And the fact, you know, obviously when you make movies, you know you can't be playing music <sighs> this, on this set. Is, this is what, so, I, what d- I hate most about the remake. It, it just... The remake <laughs> should have been its own film. Yeah. Inspired by House Party. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That dance scene, like... Oh, yeah. That's that's where <laughs> Tanache comes out of nowhere. Oh, girl, is this Tanache? It's like, yeah. wow. <laughs> and they do this whole choreographed dance. It's yeah. like, just, just some things is just sacrilege. Just just leave it alone. Like, yeah. I, you know, but I get it. They wanted, it's a remake, so they wanted to throw that in there. Mm. But that dance scene, and it, it's iconic. It's yeah. iconic if you ask me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, One thing that I did love, but it, it pops up in the sequel is uh the the character um you know it was Groove B Chill that was a real real rap group at the time it was mm. the skinny dark skinned brother and then the the buff brother that was drinking a lot mm. he you know he's drinking in the in the in the kitchen mm. taking it back to you know just trying to put kid onto some beers and then when he go to dance you know he passes out and stuff like that <laughs> and and the whole movie you know it deals with him being drunk mm. he pops up in House Party too. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a scene where they're showing a bunch of brothers posted up in the wall against the wall, and they all passing the forty. And he's there, but he's now a, a, a Muslim brother. Yeah. And he's like, I'm gonna have to pass on that, my brother. See that thing, you know? And he yeah. goes to. I love that. I love that. He has my change. Yeah, House Party Two is one of them films. It's stupid. It's not as good as House Party One, but it's still it's still entertaining. Um, but no, House Party 1 is the gold standard as far as all those films go. And as far as teen comedies go, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And that was number three, folks. Those are three, three, three. I mean, actually, yeah, we got three, four movies so far. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, three, three, you know, three, three was tied. Three, yeah, three spots. And, you know, two Robin Harris uh, appearances, you know what I mean? Yes. Oh, those. yes. Yes, yeah, yes, from yes. Do the Right Thing and, yes. uh, and House Party. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Now, for the top two black films of all time. We are staying in California. Mm, I think I think you know where this is going. Oh. 1991 feature film debut, the late great John Singleton. Yes, sir. Boys in the Hood. Rob, you take it. Man, listen, I mean, you know, you you are I've I've told you this before, John, but Boys in the Hood is uh the movie really the movie that inspired me in so many ways to uh, get get into film, you know Avatar. Avatar, you know the Blue People movie, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, is what kind of made me want to be a director. Okay, but um, do the, do the sorry, not do the right thing. We just talked about do right. The Boys in the Hood, Boys in the Hood, in particular. I saw Boys Boys in the Hood when I was about eleven years old. Okay, and um, and that movie showed me what it felt what it felt like to capture an environment, to capture your world. You know what I mean? And you know, my mom has showed me this movie. A bunch of times over the years mm-hmm. um but reading up on this movie and reading up on john singleton in mm-hmm. particular somebody a brother who was from south central mm-hmm. um went to usc uh this was his first screenplay that you know he wrote and he was lawrence fishburne's security guard um at the time oh i didn't know that yeah and he uh soft pitched this the script to, oh, to, 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 to lawrence like yo i got this i got the script like I, you know and which was just was, sorry to sorry to you yeah. know cut you off mm-hmm. that's often cringe when you're on set and you see people do that yeah but then yeah, when you do hear that success comes from it, it's like oh shit like that's really cool like, i didn't right. security lawrence fishburne security, i did not know that yeah 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 and you know but it, it it's, you know, it's probably one of them things like he just got out of he's film so, school. He's so small. But then again, he is a small dude. But then yeah. Lawrence Fishburne is kind of small too because I, I ran to Lawrence Fishburne before but John Singleton is small. He was a security guard? 
I think so, yeah. At least I think I'm, I'm, I might be misremembering that, but I think I read that in like a variety piece, okay. like about, okay. about that. But yeah, it was, uh, but see that, but, but, but just having that, just knowing that, hey, like somebody from, you know, my, you know, from where I'm from relatively, South Central mm-hmm. Compton, um, could go to SC. I always wanted to go to SC just because I loved, like, you know, being from this area, just yeah. love the campus. Uh, could go to SC, go to film school there, and then, you know, make a career and make, make a movie that, it's not only impactful and important, but also just like entertaining too. Mm-hmm. Like if you watch, like before everything, before everybody talks about when, um, when when uh, Morris Chestnut, you know, gets shot, um, Ricky gets shot, uh, of course, like obviously. But I think if you watch the film up and before that point, it's actually madly entertaining. Like yes. we get a lot of pockets of different black culture. We get when they're in the backyard during the the the, the, the barbecue mm-hmm. playing dominoes. Um, we we. Uh, you know, we were hoping for that aspiration of Ricky to get that USC scholarship. Yes, yes. Um, but at the same time, we're kind of caught up in this romance uh, with Cuba Gooding Jr.'s mm-hmm. character. It's like a deeply entertaining, kind of melodramatic, definitely a little bit melodram- a little course. bit more melodramatic if you watch it yeah. now. But it's a it's a it's a film that's seemingly capturing life, and then the feeling of that life just being snatched away from you yes. in an instant is something that black people in general have to deal with yep. that alone and you know 90 south center if you know my mom's generation will tell you like mm-hmm. you know that that the gang life the act you know that was real like mm-hmm. the, what they was doing back then you know it's a lot different now shout out to compton you know shout out to south central shout out to everywhere in the hood uh things are a lot different now but you know things things back then you know that, that was a real those are real stories of of, of, of real black people mm-hmm. um in those situations so but yeah it's it's a great film one of my favorite movies of all time so. Yeah, same here. I saw also on the wall up there. My bad. All right. You know what I mean, yeah. Oh, you got the you got the steel book. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, no, I, I I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I saw this as a kid. This film and Menace to Society was what made me afraid of California. I was like, I'm not. <laughs> I used to say, I am never going out there. These Negroes are shooting each other. <laughs> I am never going out there. You know, yeah. shout out to growth because, you know, with time I've learned, you know, that's not how it is. Okay? Right. You know, it, it happens, right. but. It's, it still is a little bit. A little but, bit, yeah, yeah. yeah but that's right. everywhere. Everywhere right. you got your, you know, your rough pockets. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, I, I love this film, man. Another great soundtrack. Yes. You know, uh, the, a memorable scene is is uh, Cuba rapping to, to Nia Long Brandy to mm-hmm. while uh, Just Me and You was playing, Tony, right. Tony, Tony. I love that record. And I, it always just takes me back to that scene every time I hear it. Uh, Ice Cube film debut. Yes. You know, John Singleton uh, famously took him to Cannes when they were screening the film. Mm. Uh, that one, man, that Ricky that Ricky scene to this day, mm. to this day is hard to watch because just like you said, you hit on it perfectly. You start to root for him. You start to root for, you know what I'm saying? And mm. I, I, you know, I cannot remember how I felt the first time I seen the film because I saw it when I was so young. But I can imagine just being in the theater and seeing that play out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there was not a dry eye in that. Oh theater. yeah. Uh, it, even it, you know, and not not to cut you off, but even if you go back and you know, we talk a lot about how white critics were reacting. To, mm-hmm. Even if you go back and read a lot of those reviews, even white critics were like really crying and really moved by the that Ricky moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what makes it so unique in the fact that like John Singleton was both the first director. First black director nominated for the Oscar yes. for best director yep. and the youngest at yep. just twenty four yep. yep. when, when this movie came Crazy out. Crazy when you yeah. think about that. Crazy. So it's just like, yeah, it was impactful and it was raw and it was honest mm-hmm. and that's what I think like made it 
made it made it made it so hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. Even even the the, the another scene that gets me just because it's implied. Well, not implied. They tell you, but Ice Cube that last that whole last scene mm. with him and Cuba Gooden Jr. Where you know his brother is gone mm. and he's just talking about it. And then for him to walk off fade and it's just like yeah, right. he was killed not long after that. Like. Mm. The film it's a it's a lot it's it's mm-hmm. very it's it's very strong. Um, honestly, you know I've I've seen people over the years kind of downplay it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I've seen, but I think it might be a regional thing because again I'm from New York, so there's a lot of people that I've seen with like champion paid in full over that, in the hood, and I'm just like right. no, like it's I like, mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Pay, like, paid in full was good. I, I I definitely I think I think when I think I think what. Some people on retrospective, you know, I could see in retrospective, if you watch this movie now, you say like, ah, oh, this movie might be a little bit too sad, a little bit too melodramatic yes. or something. Or you could say, you know, it might be playing into a little bit heavier that black trauma mm. aspect that we we're talking about earlier. But I do think, you know, like I mentioned before, there's a lot of entertaining scenes that lead up to, yes. to that. And I think you go back and watch the dialogue is so funny, mm-hmm. so, so smart, so quippy, like the way Cuba, like the way the whole group interacts with each other. I, the I homie love, in the wheelchair, mm-hmm. um, just the, their dialogue, their back and forth. When they're in the car, how they're talking about, it's got a woman, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, they're kind of having that whole dialogue. Yeah. And then like, if, if, if a guy was a big, you know, like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just like all these, these lines that you just wouldn't expect, but it's just great genuine writing too. I love the, the him lying about sleeping with the chick. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Or uh, yeah. me and my grandmother because we had the VHS. We used to watch that, and my grandmother, he's lying. He's like, because I didn't understand. You know, I was too young. I was. I thought mm-hmm. the scene was just playing out as it mm-hmm. happened. But when you get older and you realize, and then it cuts back to Lawrence Fishburne kind of looking at him like, yeah. Negro, please. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? I love, I love moments like that. And like you said, it was a very strong script. Mm-hmm. Everything about it. It's, it's, it's a really, really good movie. Um, I'll say like John Singleton's signature to me is his dialogue. And I think mm. if, you know, when you watch this movie and you watch, um, you know, Baby Boy, okay. I think to me, you know, the stories are always strong, but to me, the dialogue is what like really makes it stand out and really mm-hmm. makes it that extra naturalistic feel. And that's why you get a debut actor like Ice Cube mm-hmm. for somebody like a, a rap, you know, a rap, I don't want to downplay, you know, rappers going into the acting thing, but yeah. we've seen it a hundred times mm-hmm. and 99 times it doesn't work. But right. I think the reason it works with Cube is because the dialogue was a custom fit to yes. to him. I think every character was written with, you know, kind of a person in mind, Angela Bassett, um, yes. playing Cu- yes. uh, uh, Cuba Gooding's m- mother in that. Um, so yeah, it's like every, every actor, every performance was just fine-tuned, really specific, really carefully and uh, placed and plotted. John, John Singleton is incredibly lucky. He got Angela Bassett before she became Angela Bassett. Yeah. No, really. Like, no. Yeah. we're like two years away from What's Love Got to Do With It, mm-hmm. which is insane to think about. Like, that's one hell of a debut film. You know, he got lucky, man. That, that you know, shout out to John Singleton again, rest in peace. One of our greats, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's a shame that people didn't really appreciate his films after yeah. Boys in the Hood. Yeah. You know, I feel like I feel like Poetic Justice and Higher Learning and it's definitely Rosewood. A lot of them were just nitpicked to hell. Like yeah. it's just like I feel like these I mean of course Boys in the Hood is the cream of the crop, but these films are also good in its own way. Very entertaining. Yeah. Um you know what you said about the dialogue being a signature. You might be absolutely right. I'm thinking I'm you know as you're saying I'm thinking about Scenes of poetic justice where they, you know, Joe Torrey uh, and Tupac is just yeah. going at it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, you might be right. You know, uh, I often like, I like his tension. Mm-hmm. When there's tension in a John Singleton film, you can feel that shit. Like, the, yeah. like the minute there's a scene in Boys in the Hood where the music is just like, 
boom, and it just kind of zooms mm-hmm. in on, you know, uh, 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 Regina King in High Learning when uh, she gets called a bitch by the white boy on the phone. Yeah. Like, and it's just mm-hmm. like, yo, tension in his films are just amazing. Like, I love it. I mm-hmm. love it. I love it. It works well. And um, definitely, yeah, he was, yeah, he was the youngest, the youngest and the first African-American director to yeah. be nominated for Best Director. That is one, crazy. one hell of a debut. Mm-hmm. But, you heard the films. Let's go through the films one more time. So mm-hmm. we started at number five with Coming to America. Followed that up with Do the Right Thing again. That was too low for me, but right. I'll take it. It was a Tywa House Party on Friday. And then number two is Boys in the Hood. And for number one, the mm. greatest black film of all time. Rob, do you have a film in mind? I mean, I feel like there's one that hasn't been named yet that I, I feel like maybe should be named. So. And I'm going to tell you, Spike Lee's Malcolm X, that part. 1992, the greatest film of all time, in my opinion. Mm. Black, white, red, green, don't matter. Greatest film of all time. I am born in 1988. You know, I saw Malcolm X when it came out. Mm. Um, this is before I saw... Uh, uh, what's his Orson Welles? Uh, Citizen, Citizen Kane. Kane. Yeah. This is before I saw uh, what you call uh, all the films is considered the greatest of all time. This is before I saw that. This one takes the cake for me. I think Spike, Spike, who's also my favorite filmmaker of all time, mm-hmm. he speaks directly to me. A mm-hmm. lot of you know, I was there in the early nineties. Now I wasn't outside per se, but I was there for a lot of what was happening in the early nineties. So he embodies all of that. You know, he is the he was the voice for black folks at that at that point. You know what I'm saying? Especially mm-hmm. black film. Like I said, he's the godfather of modern black cinema. Uh man, you getting you, let's let's go back. The film was in development for a long time, going back to the seventies. I think uh I wanna say Richard Pryor had something to do with it at one point. I think he was like I think it was like being shopped with him in mind. I don't really? Know, yeah, at one point. I can't I can't see that. Yeah, I, yeah. of course. Uh, and then, you know, it started to pick up steam throughout the 80s. You know, at this point, Malcolm's image, as you know, as, as with all things, you know, in the moment, it's kind of, you know, Malcolm was seen as the bad guy in the 60s. You know what I'm saying? And when he goes, and unfortunately, when somebody passes, that's when people go back and like, oh, you know, he was actually all right. They was actually all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So by the 80s, Again, the rise of hip hop. A lot of these people, these the, the young people at the time, they're growing up learning about Malcolm X. He's being name checked in songs by Public Enemy, X Clan. Malcolm's stature is rising. All while Spike Lee is in Brooklyn starting his career, which she's got to have it. School Days, Do the Right Thing, Mo Better Blues. Around Mo Better Blues, it comes out that the film, the Malcolm X film, is going to get made. But it's going to be directed by Norman Jewison. Nor- Norman Jewison directed uh, a, sh- a Soldier Story mm-hmm. starring Denzel. And I believe he directed... No, Richard Attenborough directed Cry Freedom with Denzel playing Steve Biko. Norman Jewison did something else. But his stature as a filmmaker was up right. there. Fill in the roof. <laughs> <laughs> so, the theater kids out there. That's my theater background is Fill in the Roof. Norman Jewison. So here comes Spike. Mm-hmm does something very ballsy and spike spike listen man we love spike but that brother loved the camera and loved the microphone around that time because he used to always speak up on everything now he kind of yeah he kind of speaks when he has to now i think with time he learned that he can't speak up on everything Everything, yeah but uh he comes out he's like look with all due respect you are not the man for this job Mm. 
<laughs> Ballsy. Tell I mean, him. You gotta tell him. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and by doing that, he throws his name in the hat, mm-hmm. which is crazy. That's very... But, you know, we all moved by something to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think that was God at play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he does that. The powers that be goes here. Fine. You wanted to be a loud one? I think Norman Jewison back off. Yeah, I, I, I saw an interview with him. And he was like, all right. Like, I don't want to. Like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm not going to step on Spike Lee. Doing. Because you're right. That context of the time, you can't get the, the man who did do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And you can't not let him do Malcolm X. Yeah. Like, that's like. That's, you're talking about missing out on the best golden opportunity to tell mm-hmm. one of the greatest stories ever told. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he steps up. Norman Jewison backs off. And Spike goes in. Now, when Spike becomes a director, you've got opposition from people that know Malcolm because you've seen she's got to have it. School days. You're thinking, oh, this man is a farce. Well, them. This mm-hmm. man is a farce. You know, that generation yeah. of black folks, they're not really understanding the hip-hop generation. Mm-hmm. All this, oh, y'all shaking y'all butts and... Doing the butt and then, you know, she's got to have it. She got multiple partners. It's irresponsible. This is in the day of AIDS. You got, she's got to have it. It's coming out. Mm. So, you know, this is all seen as irresponsible. Mm-hmm. And he takes it on. He takes on the criticism. Denzel Washington, who played Malcolm in an off-Broadway play, takes on Malcolm in this film. As they're making the film, you know, Warner Brothers wanted to cut. They didn't want it to be three hours. Mm. They didn't, it was going out, you know, it was going beyond the budget. Mm. They want him to shoot the Egypt scenes in in the Jersey Shore. Bro. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, this is all, this is all, it, it, there's a book. I'm going I'm to I'm pass it on to you, brother. There's a book about the making of that film. Mm. Spike is writing in a journal and he's telling all of these things as it's happening. Wow. Very good book, by the way. Uh, yeah, so the, the film runs out of money in post-production. Bond Company comes in and is like, yo. Is done. It's in the can. We almost didn't see Malcolm X, y'all. Wow. But it was already shot too. Yeah, shot, and we almost didn't see it. But Spike reached out to prominent black folks. You know, Bill Cosby, Oprah Winfrey, Prince, Janet Jackson, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, and they all pulled up together to get the money to finish the film, and we got the film we got today. And that was his, that was his moment at bat to show and prove, and he exceeded far beyond expectations that film another one perfect beginning to end that three and a half hour you know what's so crazy the movie is like almost three and a half hours Mm -hmm. i have comfort films that i could watch you know i could watch anytime all day every day pootie tang you know (laughs) stupid shit that i could watch all day every day that i could just throw on and let it play michael mix is one of those Mm -hmm. i remember i'll never forget um when i first got cable that had like east coast west coast channels uh, Malcolm X came on HBO East and I watched the film all the way through and I said, yo, I'm going to HBO West. I'm going to watch it again. Yeah. Six, six hours of Malcolm. Like that's what, that was the day I said, yo, this is my favorite film. Mm-hmm. I could watch, you know, some films that are too heavy, you know, you can only watch once in a while and no, I could watch this any and every day. Denzel Washington, man, this Best is, performance, this is, maybe of all time. This is the greatest of all time. I think mm. this this is this makes him my favorite uh, a, uh, actor of all time. You got you got on the, on a the, lesser degree. You got Angela Bassett right beside him, who, mm. who does what she does. You she know? comes about halfway through the film. Yeah, yeah, mm. she does what she does. Is Betty Shabazz incredible? Uh, the music, the Terrence Blanchard, that score. Oh man, oh, it, it's it's like a damn superhero. Like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Is that- I, and not to cut you off, uh-huh. but that scene when when Mal- when um, Malcolm leads all the brothers uh, oh. to the hospital, 
and and um and they're standing outside and he gives that simple like oh the hand, hand gesture hand gesture and the music just cuts out <laughs> it's just <laughs> oh my <laughs> the whole the, the march the everything the editing everything about that that scene and that movie is perfect yes yes that scene that scene right there you know he said is is too much power for one man to have like mm. oh that one oh man that's the one that's another one where the film is structured so perfectly it's like with biopics and you know and this is this falls victim to it too you know you can't tell the entire story mm. there's but so much story you can tell right and uh you know i know some people that don't like this movie because they're like oh it didn't it didn't talk about this it didn't talk about that and it's like you know it's it gave us three and a half hours. It gave us what it can with three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. But um, it just, it's it structured perfectly. You get Malcolm as, you know, Detroit Red. Yep. You get that, you get him in prison. Mm-hmm. And you're really seeing the evolution of a man. Like, mm-hmm. this is a film, this is one of those rare biopics that, like, it, it almost works just as good as a history book. Like, you oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? You can show that, yo, you want to learn about Malcolm X? Watch this film. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that with every film. Hey, he, that's in, that's what's interesting. No, I, I was just going to say too, because I have been listening to the audio book of the, um, the autobiography of Malcolm mm. X over the past few weeks. That changed my life. That book changed my life. Yeah. I haven't, I see that's my, that's my, th- so I haven't read the book before. Mm-hmm. So I'm like listening to it and you know, I'm going to, I'm going to read it eventually. You yeah. Know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah don't do like LeBron. Read that. Yeah, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I can't be listening. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, but yeah, that, uh, but it's funny how, how accurate, not accurate, but how close to of, of an interpretation of the story is. I read the book for the first time in eighth grade, and as I'm reading, I'm like, "Oh shit, this is the movie!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, to even you know Malcolm's narration is taken straight from the book, mm-hmm. so it, it's so close to it. Like I said, it's just as good as a textbook, man. And and again, you're watching his evolution. There's three and a half hours. You're getting to know Malcolm, and you get the dread in your stomach when you know what is about to happen. Mm-hmm. When you get that double dolly shot of him. With the Sam Cooke playing one of the greatest shots in film. Yeah. Probably Spike's best use of the double dolly shot. Mm-hmm. You know what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. I was just, I just went to the 30th anniversary screening with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And she's watching the film because she's, my daughter is a little cinephile in the making. She likes, she likes movies. Hey. Nine years old. She could sit through a three hour movie. I took her to go see Avatar. She loved every minute of it. Really? Stayed up. That's what I'm talking it. about. Listen. There's man. a dose who can't stay up for three hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, man. And she didn't know what was coming up. Mm-hmm. I knew. Mm-hmm. And she asked me a question. I went to go answer. And I had a pit in my throat. I was about to start crying. I'm like, oh, this is about to happen. Like, <laughs> yeah. you feel the weight of the loss of Malcolm, man. That mm-hmm. that shit cuts like a knife every time. I, that and the Ricky scene. is two scenes that, to this day, I'm bawling like a child mm-hmm. when I see it. Especially the, the beautiful eulogy by Ozzie Davis, yes. which was actually delivered at his funeral. Really? Yeah, word for word. That's the actual eulogy he delivered at his funeral. Wow. <sighs> I didn't know that. Incredible film. And then that that beautiful, beautiful eulogy, and then to cap it off with all the kids. Um, Which has a, a young John David Washington. Really? The first kid that pops up, I'm Malcolm X. That's John David Washington who what? ends up becoming a lead in Black Klansman. Wow. Ah, oh, Full circle. That's full yeah, circle. That's Damn, I know that. Yeah, that's well. See, that's again every aspect about this movie, like you mentioned, is just so it's intentional. Mm-hmm. I think they they set out to tell a story that was, you know, that gave you the 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 ups and downs yes. of of Malcolm's life. 
so you get a full character film, a full picture of him, not as you know, um, just the the media figure, you mm-hmm. know, the person you know who's an aspirational figure, but as a person, as a man. And, and, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but let's let's let me just make something very clear about Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And this might have some expletives. If you're not a fan of cursing, I apologize. Mm-hmm. Motherfucking director of uh, everything oh. all at once. Ah. Was it Dan Schneid? Schneid? Uh, Something, yeah. Some, he, okay, folks, if you don't know, the director <laughs> of everything, everywhere, all at once. What do you feel about that? Uh, this is not a pylon, by the way. But what did you feel about his film? I thought it was okay. You thought it was okay? I like I liked everything everywhere. I liked the movie. It was no. I. It was I. <laughs> he goes. He does the Criterion closet. Goes into the closet. Pulls out Malcolm X and calls it his favorite crime movie. Mm. That was that was crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> Let me tell you crazy. something, folks. The Untouchables is a crime film. Right. Heat is a crime film. Clockers. Clockers is a crime film. Mm-hmm. Set it off is a crime film. Right. Malcolm X is not a motherfucking crime film. Never. No. Let's get that straight. Let's be. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. Like, but this goes to show you how they see our our art at surface level. Yeah. Because I'm going through the comments on Twitter, and there's people saying, "Oh, it devotes time to him being a hustler." As Detroit Red, and and the way Spike sequenced the scenes was similar to Goodfellas, which could, which could probably be true. Mm. But what is the overall message of the film? The, the, right. This is a biopic. This is this man's life. Mm. It is not a crime. It they only see us at surface level with anything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you could be the most liberal white person ever. You could be the most conservative. You still there's there's moments where they fall into that trap. You know, it's like LeBron James speaking up on social issues and somebody says, shut up and dribble. They only see him as an athlete. Right. He has no voice beyond that. Right. So with this film, they co- they saw the crime. They saw the the, the whimsical moments, right. you know, him chasing the they white saw, they, they saw the They saw the scene of him um, doing the uh, Cagney impression yeah. in the park. Yeah. yeah. And they call it a crime film. Right. That is, that is, uh, that was so disgusting. And it's just, it's just bullshit. Mm. It's, it's, it's offensive almost. You mm. know what I'm saying? It's, I seen someone in the comments like, "Yo, this is kind of racist. This is yeah. like passively it's very, racist. definitely mo- mo- racially motivated." <laughs> I think I, you know, the funniest part of, about the clip is like, you know, it's obviously there's two directors. The white, the white dude, mm-hmm. he's the one talking about the Malcolm mm-hmm. thing, and you see the Asian dude in the background. He kind of literally chuckles like when, when he says that. I'm like, yo, even even his co-director's like, "Come on, bro." Yeah, like, really. I, I feel like he wants to turn around. It was like, such a shitty take. That's yeah. just such a bad <laughs> take. Like, Malcolm X is the his favorite crime films. Come, right. Give me a give and, me. and and again, I think. I, I like I liked everything everywhere. Uh, I like those guys, but I think obviously you know, the it's just a problem with I think the way we talk about black cinema. Yes, you know what I mean because uh, we we have you know, the, you know he he calls it a crime film. You know he says uh, he only saw it last year. He, he in the same clip he says. <sighs> He only saw Malcolm X for the first time last year, so it's like uh, what's kind of what you know what I'm what I only am led to assume. I don't know the bro- I don't know the guy. Maybe he's a good good dude. I don't know. Maybe, you know what I mean? but I think like what what the clip literally read to me is like, oh man, this dude might have saw this movie during Black Lives Matter, mm, and then was like, speak on it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm bored. Like I didn't watch the rest. Like I only watched the first hour and a half. Like turned the rest of it off. Uh, like probably just watched until he got out of jail, and then when he started doing the conversion thing, probably tuned out. And that's honestly what if you it's a, for a lot of people, that's honestly how far they get into Malcolm X. Yeah. For some people, that's literally the first hour and a half, which is madly entertaining. I definitely give you that. 
But they don't get to the part where it's the Reformation. They don't get to the part where he uh, takes the pilgrimage. They don't get to the part where he is, um, you know, just the whole back half of the film is mm-hmm. so much more moving. They, they see the part where he curses out the little white girl on the, on the, on the not curses out, but he's like, oh, mm-hmm. like, nah, I don't need your help. Like, mm-hmm. They see that and they're like, oh, they mix, that makes, you know, white people frankly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then, but then, you know, they don't, so then when it, when it gets to the parts of the movie where it's Malcolm X's journey as a, as a, as a leader and we mm-hmm. starts to find out everything about, um, uh, who's, uh, Fer- oh, oh, um, not Farrakhan, um, uh, Elijah Muhammad. There we go. Elijah, I, I'm, I'm messing up names bad today. <laughs> so I was just a little good. nervous. Um, so but yeah, nah, this, it's like, yeah, when, when, when we get into that part of the journey, you know, it's it's not a crime. It's just not. It's, no. like, it's about it's life. It's a it's a film about life. The, why would those so. words come out your mouth? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At that point, it is not a crime. Like, like you said, some people he probably just saw that first hour, hour and a half. Yeah. And let it and left it alone. So uh, it, it's just ignorance, ignorance yeah. on his behalf. It's just a very ignorant statement. I hope he says something about it. But then again, you know how they move. They are, they don't care. They, yeah, they're probably not going. They, yeah. they say what they say. <laughs> you gotta live with it. Meanwhile, we gotta apologize for the shit. I'm not gonna go into that, people. But, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, Malcolm X, man, that that I mean, you know, uh, Spike talks about going to see uh, Lawrence of Arabia with with mm. Ernest Dickerson, and that whole Egypt Mecca to to date. That's, that's beautiful. The, that's the only film that was allowed to be filmed on the grounds. Really? Yeah. So he had to get a whole second unit full of Muslims really? to go and and shoot that. Yep. I did not know that. Yeah. So wow. that that's sacred ground. So you know that's the only film to date, one and only film to be shot at the Mecca. Wow. This film had everything across. It checks all the marks for me across the board. Mm-hmm. And you know, of course, it came with a little controversy when it came out. You know, Spike telling kids. Don't go to school. Go see this, right. which you know corrupt people the wrong way. Even though I agree, with I agree. It. This is this is cool because they're not teaching this in history class. Absolutely, and I didn't, and that's what that's to me was the most fascinating part when I first watched Malcolm X. Um, when I was you know a teenager, mm-hmm. um, it was it was all new. It was all new information. I didn't know he had the lifestyle he lived. I didn't know he went to prison. I didn't know all of that. I just knew mm-hmm. you know oh he was a civil rights leader who you know made some people mad. That's yeah, literally yeah. all I knew. So, but then watching this movie. Gave me a new perspective, not just on again him as a leader, but as a person. Seeing the goals that him and his fam, you know, him and Angela, and like all the, like every like what black people like mm-hmm. all his like the the conditions that he's around. Like when he is walking down the street and he sees like somebody who you know, from the community, like you mm-hmm. know, um, you know, asking them for, for what? No, no. When or I'm, I'm I'm getting the scene wrong when he's like exiting the apartment building and then he sees like one of his I forgot. I forgot that scene. Oh, oh, no, no, no. The girl who he goes on a date with is yes. like he's. She's like tricking, right? Or she's like yes. Laura, yeah. Laura, played by um, Teresa Randall. She plays Laura in the beginning of the film. The good girl that was at the you know the whole Lindy Hop scene with it. Yeah. Another another beautiful. Spike loves musicals. Yeah. And you could tell by the, the school days and this one, he wants to make a musical. Right. Bad as hell. Like a right. song and dance musical. And that whole Lindy Hop scene is, is basically that. Mm. So he, he's going out with Laura. She's a good girl, Christian girl. Mm. Dips off with the white girl. Mm. Mm. Does his thing with the white girl. And then we, we get Laura again. Which Later. That scene, Elise Neal is in that scene in the background. She plays one of these prostitutes, a young Elise Neal. Mm. And uh, we get Laura and she's tricking by that at that point. Mm. You know, which is... Yeah, look, look, man, this film is it. This, yeah. this is this is it. It's just like those details yes. that you wouldn't even notice. And most 
biopic directors, you know, just kind of zoom through. Like, you know, no disrespect to a Whitney Houston movie. Like, oh, I got um, to see that. I, I, it's a good, it's a good movie. It's fun, but they definitely, it's like the Wikipedia version of her life. Mm. It's like they go, they only go, they like they only gave you like half of her Super Bowl performance. You know what and, I mean? And you know, and to and that to that point, you know, Malcolm X is the reason why I can't enjoy biopic films today mm. because this is the definitive one. This is the yeah. one that like it takes its time. Granted, again, it omits some things from his life, but it still takes his time to dealing with the things it wants to deal with, mm-hmm. and it doesn't stray from it. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people at the time was upset that Spike was going to show Malcolm frolicking with white women and doing drugs and stuff like that, but it goes there. Right. It does. It does not run from that. And uh, yeah, man, this this is the this is the one. This is the one. And and hey, that's that's voted the greatest black film of all time. I am on. Yeah. I'm on board with that. Now, with our, with our top five, let me know. Is there any you would change? What you would add? Let me know. Um, our top five, I, I, I like the, that's a strong top five. You yes. know what I mean? I think that's that's as that's, that's strong as of the top five you're going to get. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would personally probably throw something a little more modern in there. Like, I'll probably throw Get Out in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or... Yeah, Get Out. Or I know Moonlight was on honorable mentions, too. Mm-hmm. But those those two are are... I, I don't know, but that's the thing. I don't know what I'll take out. You know what I mean? Right. Out of those five, you know, that, that's a strong, strong five right yeah, there. But. Yeah, it's a strong five. Get Out might be top, might be five for me. Yeah. I might start off with Get Out, mm. then take it to House Party mm-hmm. at number four. Okay. Number three. You put, you got to put Boomerang. I know you're talking about Boomerang. It's not on your list, not on your top five? Or? You know what? Get Out, mm. House Party, mm. Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood, okay. And okay. I'm rounding out the top two spike joints, Malcolm X and Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing being number two, Malcolm X being number one. Mm. Mm. That's my top five. You know, Get Out being number five, oof. Damn. Yeah. I, think, I think that it, it's a strong top five. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think that's what I'm going with because if I want to go, it's just like your top, it's just like your GOAT list in sports. Mm. What is it that you're looking for? If I'm yeah. looking for quality and I'm looking for groundbreaking, like my top five in basketball, it, it deals with groundbreaking shit. Like, you mm. know, I test, of course, mm. but ground, whoever was really doing it, like I, I always say, you know, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Kareem, LeBron, and Mike. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Man, if you look at each, they they broke ground or they would you know they they kind of moved the goalposts you know what I'm saying right so for my top five I think that's where I'm gonna go because Get Out is is another one hell of a debut yeah and then yeah it the way it influenced modern horror today mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying that we we kind of dipping into social issues a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, I remember when I seen that they announced that they was gonna do a Get Out and and everybody was just laughing I remember it, it hit Twitter mm-hmm. everybody was kind of like a film about you know, a man is like, look who's talking, but hard. What? Right. I saw the genius in it already. I was like, right. if this brother knows what he's doing, he'll do it right. And he, mm. th- yes, like yeah. he, that's another one of those ones. So, yeah, definitely get out House Party because I think that's just an important film. Mm. Boys in the Hood, do the right thing, Malcolm X. That's your five. That's my five. That's your five. I'll, I'll probably, if I, if I had to go like my five, uh, to, I'll probably, um, I think I, I think I probably might switch uh, do the right thing and Malcolm X mm-hmm. on mine. So I probably put I probably put do the right thing number one. I probably mm. put Malcolm X in my number two. Okay, you know what I mean. And then uh, probably put Friday as my number three. Yeah, just because yeah. I, I love that movie. Yeah, even, yeah, even more than even more than Boys in the Hood. You know what oh, I mean. And really? I, I I think Boys in the Hood is uh, 
you know, f- favorite. And like I said, it's one of the movies that really inspired my path towards mm-hmm. filmmaking. The mm-hmm. way the way I you know went to USC and things. But yeah, I, I Friday's just too funny to me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then yeah, probably five. I'll probably go go with the strong Get Out because okay. Um, yeah, that one is. It's to me. It's the combination of horror and comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the and also you know I think it's. The fact that it was so low budget, you know, two yeah. two point six million dollars, it it's like really it was that cheap. Yeah, yeah, wow. the massive constraints, right? Like yeah. no, next to no money, yeah. but then it still doesn't like you can't even tell it doesn't even feel like that. Yeah, I, I that's one of the movies that I definitely vividly remember mm-hmm. my the- theatrical experiences. Oh, yes. I saw it twice. Same first, here. Yeah, Same yeah. Here. First first time I saw it, first time I saw Weird Levels at the White Theater at the ArcLight Hollywood. Uh, Same here, and that was and it was that funny. shit was like that. Get out coming out was like a social experiment for me. Yeah, I saw it in Jersey. I saw both of them in Jersey. I, I was in Jersey that weekend. Mm. I saw it at a white theater in the mall, mm. and then I saw it with a bunch of colored folks, black and brown yep. folks. Same way I did. Yep. And the, of course, the first viewing, white people was laughing. One scene that really showed me how disconnected they were was the scene at the end after you know. The, the, the dude that got his shit all mixed up, he kills mm. himself. You know, the white girl's dead. And the mm. cop car pulls up. Yeah. In the white theater, they're like, oh, look at that. Oh, my God. Oh. All right. And in the black theater, they were like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Like, audibly, yeah. everybody was like, oh, shit. Because yeah. that's, the, that's the reality. Mm. This is the genius. of Jordan Peele is a master. He's officially mm. on that list. After oh, yeah. Nope, he's officially on that list. Mm. And it... The, the the emotions he captures with just that image alone, like, oh, shit, now a cop car is pulling up. In the wake of the Mike Brown and all that stuff that's happened, the Black Lives Matter movement, seeing it in two theaters was really a social experiment. I'm so glad I had the foresight to do that because mm. I I saw it the first time. I was like, yo, this was really good. And the first friend that said it didn't see it, I was like, yo, I'm going with you today. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I knew what thing I was going to go to and everything. I was like, nah, I got to see this for myself. Right. I, I did that to myself. I wanted to experience that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Now, shout out. Yeah, same here. Shout out Baldwin Hill Scrimshaw uh, Mall here in uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, in in L.A. Is, is, is Baldwin Hill's movie theater still black-owned? Um, It's it's a Cinemark now. It's a oh, Cinemark. okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's owned by a company. I, but I don't know. I don't know. It might still be franchised by, okay. by Magic. It used, to be, it used to be black owned. That yeah, it was Magic's. Yeah, it was Magic's. So, uh, oh, that was Magic's Theater. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That was uh, that was Magic Johnson's uh, original spot. And okay. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, you know, that was, I could, I could talk all day about yeah. Magic Johnson Theater back in the day. Boy, ooh, I saw some movies there. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that was, it, I, I, I loved how, um, I love seeing it. I love seeing it there because right there, also at that time too, was like I was at USC, mm-hmm. so I got to take like some white people from USC uh-huh. to see it with me too. You know uh-huh. what I mean? And the, and Baldwin Hills Crenshaw is the closest theater to USC. A lot of people don't realize that, mm. but a lot of people from USC don't realize that that's really the hood. So mm. then, like when I take them to see movies there, they're like, "Oh shoot!" So seeing their seeing their reaction amongst all the black and brown people, like you said, mm-hmm. reacting to certain scenes, like doing that, it was all around just perfect, man. This yeah. this movie is uh, get out. You know that it, it would make my top five. It was, it's another one that, as soon as it came out, it, it almost immediately entered the yes. the 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 uh, the film school lexicon of like movies, important mm-hmm. black movies. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, won mad Oscars and awards. Um, so, but you know, I, I I too think that if they if they had you know, if we if we just looking at our list like Friday House, I I, I think House Party might be. Reginald uh, Reginald yep. uh first film, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, and it's and based on a student film. 
Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. See, Hudley, um, Singleton, mm-hmm. um, all these uh, F. Gary Gray for mm-hmm. Friday. All these first-time filmmakers, literally just putting their all into these um, crazy mo- get out. All these first-time movies, debut movies. It's just like to me, it's inspirational. Yes. To me, it's just like yo, I gotta let me get cooking right now. Yeah. I gotta, yeah, 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 absolutely. I got a story to tell. Absolutely. The black experience, the black stories, they, they, you know, there's plenty. And, you know, I saw a tweet the other day. Um, somebody said they, they listed Lena Waithe, uh, Lena Waithe, Tyler Perry, <laughs> uh, Kenya Barris, <laughs> and uh, there was a fourth one there, uh, man, Lee Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> and they said... These four need to never make a movie again. <laughs> and listen, I know how we feel about their art. All right. Trust me, I have criticism of, mm-hmm. of three, at least three of them. Kenya Barris is okay. I like Kenya, yeah. You know, but I definitely got a thing to say about Tyler, Lena, and Lee Daniels. But <laughs> I think that it's important that they all get a chance to tell their stories. We Absolutely. should never try to silence them because, as we know, black people are not a monolith. Yes. There's many different shades of black folks, and there's many stories to tell. Medea, yes, is a little off-putting at times, absolutely. But you know what? Go talk to somebody from Alabama, Atlanta, Mississippi. Everybody it. knows they have a big mama that they know is just like Medea. They love these these films, these stories, you know? Mm. Lena Waithe, again, I don't think she can write a film, but <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? But right. she speaks to a specific crowd. There's people that enjoy stuff. I... I often criticize uh, Queen and Slim for being a, a Twitter. I feel like it's a black Twitter script. Right, because, right. <laughs> but again, because you see that on there, it speaks to a crowd. You mm, know what I'm saying? Mm, so I mm. think we should all let everybody tell their stories. Everybody has different different perspectives. Let's. We should never muzzle black voices because while you're doing that, you're doing the devil's work. Because mm. please believe when you go into these, you know, you go into these offices, you be around these people that move and shake and green light stuff. They're looking for the one black thing that's either hot at the moment or they're mm-hmm. reaching for. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We've seen with Hollywood Shuffle when he's going on these auditions. They're looking for the Eddie Murphy type. You mm-hmm. know, right now they're looking for the Kevin Hart type. So mm-hmm. you never want to fall into these these tropes. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. we should all give our filmmakers and our, our black creatives, just, just let them run the gamut. Let them do whatever they want to do. You yes, know what sir. I'm saying? Now, if you don't want to rock with it, that's okay. That's art. Art is to be critiqued. Mm-hmm. You don't have to rock with everything. If you don't like it, don't support it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But let them do what they got to do. Yeah, it's per- perfectly said. Eloquently said. Now, that's it. Wow. That's first, the, first episode, First man. episode, we ended on a strong note. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Then, you know, I have to send y'all home with a little something. You know yes, what I'm saying? Sir. Think about that, my brothers and sisters. Think about that. <laughs> RB3, is there anything you want to sign off with? Uh, nah, man. You know what I mean? If you're watching on um, if you're watching on YouTube, you might be watching the First Cut YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you uh, leave us a comment. Uh, hit that like button. And uh, subscribe if you're not subscribed already. If you're listening to us on the audio, you know what I mean? Um, share, share the podcast. We're, we're available on Apple, Spotify, uh, all the podcast networks. So uh, help us out and, uh, and get us get us shown there. Yeah, I, I would love to do this more and more. This is something I'm very passionate about. Again, thank you, RB3. This this brother right here has helped me kind of get everything in line. You know what I'm saying? I knew this was an idea I had 10, 15 years ago before podcasts and all this stuff was a thing. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I thought that, oh, I got to make it to TV to talk about this stuff. Ciao. Well, look, we can do this now. You're listening to it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, check us out, Real Talk Film Society on um, on IG. That's R-E-E-L, Talk 
Film Society on Twitter. We're now verified. Oh, shoot. Real Talk Film SOC. Real, R-E-E-L, Talk Film SOC. Follow. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to have more of these coming. I'm going to have my quick take reviews. We're going to be posting retrospectives, celebrating black cinema. We will also be talking about other mainstream films because we're just giving our perspective on everything film. Yeah. So uh, thank you for listening. I'm Mr. Marin signing out. See you later.